welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope. And I'm your host, Rory Hearn. And I'm joined the podcast today by Tony Groves and also by Jane Ann McKenna, who is the CEO of DOCUS, which is the Irish Association of Non-Governmental Development Organizations, who are putting out their pre-budget uh, calls in re- into the government, the Irish government, in relation to our international aid and um, commitments. And we are in a crisis situation in Ireland, but in terms of developing uh, countries, there is an even more acute crisis um, in so many levels that have been exacerbated by the pandemic, um, you know, ongoing, you know, inequality and um now we also have, of course, the issue in Ukraine. Uh, jane Ann, maybe you could just outline what is the situation in terms of um, your own pre-budget ask, but maybe the, the wider context first in terms of those kind of pressures, climate change on developing world countries. Yes, uh, thanks, Rory. I think, you know, what we're seeing, uh, a number of the different organizations, so humanitarian and development organizations are kind of coming together to really sound the alarm on uh, the risk of widespread famine, particularly in the east of Africa, in the Horn of Africa region. So in the areas around Kenya, Somalia and Ethiopia. And like in today, there's approximately 23 million people who are at risk of famine and are who are experiencing extreme hunger. And I think, you know, sometimes we allow some of those numbers, you know, they they mean, you know, they're nearly too large to mean anything. But we're looking at nearly five times the population of Ireland that is at risk of extreme hunger today. And this is as a direct result of, you know, um, the impact of climate change, but also the consequence of years of inaction, of um, of it being exasperated by conflict, by COVID, as you mentioned, but also now with the situation in Ukraine. You know, a lot of these countries have been very much dependent up to 90 percent. Um, on wheat exports from Ukraine and Russia. And so that has really been the tipping point a little bit for this extreme crisis uh, occurring today. And just in terms of that, just the, the famine piece, like what are we talking about here? Saying 20 million, 23 million at risk of extreme hunger. You know, how close to famine are, is, are some of these parts of these countries at and people there? We're really on the brink at the moment. You know, we know that... Um, in Somalia, where famine is kind of, you know, where we anticipate there will be um, a famine is looming, you know, there, uh, the UN have predicted that 350,000 children could die by the end of the summer in the next three months. And this is a UN prediction. 350,000. So 350,000. So if you think back, right, to 2011, when there was the last kind of, I suppose, high profile famine um, in Africa, um, which drew a, a huge amount of attention. And yeah. we saw that there was 250,000 people died. And since then, there have been certain systems that have been put in place, you know, early warning systems so that we could avoid this type of catastrophe happening again and again. And yet over the last two years, um, many organizations, including the UN, international agencies, have been sounding the alarm to say, actually, we can see that this is coming down the tracks. We know that there has been, um, you know, no rains in some of these areas for the last four years, that the rainy season has been dry. And now we're in a situation where uh, we're facing the worst drought in over 40 years, uh, where people do not have, um, you know, the, the, the crops have are not growing. There, uh, there are the animals and the livestock are dead. You know, it's a very extreme situation. And 
because of the situation in um, in Ukraine and elsewhere, the cost of food has risen exponentially. And it is far more difficult to be able to get food aid into some of these locations. And that's why we're looking for a significant and radical, I suppose, uh, mobilization of aid into this region because we cannot, you know, stand by while, you know, it's estimated that uh, a child is dying every 48 seconds, you know, and this is today, this is in 2022, when we know what's happening, when we know there are things that can be done to ensure that lives are saved. Pre pre, um, Ukraine, I I spoke to Katrina. Katrina Dowd and um, and Rachel Nikalikar, and we spoke about Nothing Kills Like Hunger, the campaign that Concern were doing at the time. Food insecurity in Afghanistan at the time was was you know one in one in three. It's now over. It's now more than one in one in one. Uh, sorry, it's now three. It's nearly over fifty six percent. Six percent of the population don't know where the next meal is coming from. There's also, unfortunately, there's conflict in some of these uh, these regions that we're talking about, be it Afghanistan, be it Ethiopia, um, and then you you talk about what the budgets now. The Irish government will, you know, will say about the spending on these things. Can you put in relative terms, you know, just in terms of, the, you know, what's the commitment to and what they were actually paying, what we're actually delivering in terms of just the, the budget, the spending in the last number of years? So the spending, so like Ireland has committed to spending um, 0.7 of a GNI gross national income on overseas development assistance by 2030. But the reality is we've stagnated at around the 0.3 mark, 3% mark over the last number of years. So we're not really meeting our own obligations towards what we have committed to for international development assistance. And what we have called for is that there does need to be an increased investment. And that's we're looking for an increased investment of up to 200 million this year to actually start, you know, putting us back on track to meet some of the commitments that we as a country, that Ireland has made. And I think it's it, it's it's fair to say and we we have a we have a um a longitudinal study ongoing at the moment around the public perceptions towards aid. And yeah. 77% of the Irish population are very supportive of overseas development assistance, are very much proud of, you know, the solidarity that Ireland shows through its humanitarian and development assistance. And so you have, uh, a, a, or a, like I suppose, a country, a nation, and we saw the outpouring of support for Ukrainian refugees when they came into this country. You have a country that is very much wants to be, work in solidarity and support those who are the furthest behind. And that's very much what Ireland has committed to, but has failed to actually put some of the funding behind that. And now that's what we're asking for. It's it's And it's not... <laughs> It's not a large sum of money. It's going to sound like a large sum of money when I say it out loud at 4.4 billion um, is the ask. But to put that in context, that's approximately about a quarter of um, the supports that went that went into Ireland during the pandemic, uh, unemployment payments and, 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 the, and the, the business supports, a quarter. And that's for the globe. That's globally. That's just Ireland. That's not what we're asking of the Irish people. That's what we're asking across the UN countries to, to, to deliver. It's not a lot of money. And as you put it, uh, Jane Ann, 40, every 48 seconds for a child to die, we can't stand by. Rory, we've spoken to people in Kenya from the Global Alliance of Tax Justice. We know the implications for, for Ireland on this and how, you know, that uh, our, our behaviors as a, as a truculent tax um, avoidance Absolutely, network. Absolutely. Yeah. So we need to step up here as well. Yeah, no, th- th- there's no doubt about that. And, I, you know, there's a number of ways in which our, you know, contribution to a global economic model, which is 
you know, promoting the and continuing to destroy, you know, our climate. And and these places are where we're seeing the the greatest impact of that. And, and you know, those in terms of the, the weather impacts, but also the wider systematic, you know, exploitation and, you know, extraction of raw materials and the the failure to support these economies and the debt, of course, the debt is a major problem still. Um, as we spoke about in terms of Irish aid, um, Jane Ann, maybe you could outline a bit because it is there are you know criticisms of aid as sometimes they can be used as programs to you know change countries in terms of you know supporting you know import of Western products rather than actually you know developing their own indigenous industry or you know Western imp- imports of goods and food. Um, you know, how does Irish aid work? So when we increase our budget, will this money be spent on actually empowering and, and you know, saving and supporting um, and not just that kind of, you know, actually exploitation through aid processes that we do see? Yeah, well, we work like DOCUS and indeed a lot of our members work very closely with Irish aid in terms of particularly the implementation and rollout of kind of the aid programme. And I think, you know, what is important and what is very valuable is that um, Irish aid and the Irish government just show a very principled stance towards aid. It is very much, you know, that it is to be given uh, based on need, essentially, um, and effectively that, you know, it's very much ingrained with trying to work with the local communities on the ground and particularly drawing attention to women and girls who are all yeah. most impacted um in whether it's you know in in this in um this food crisis or indeed in conflict in other settings as well so i suppose in terms of the kind of the policies that are there i think from the irish government they are very much kind of welcome and forward thinking in terms of what we need to do but i think it's around that um that that commitment piece and ensuring that actually now when we are looking at you know um a crisis that is now happening across east africa across the horn of africa it is not just about you know what Ireland needs to step up and respond to the un appeal uh for this region and to you know allow for kind of flexible models of funding for there to be able to respond to what the needs actually are but also for Ireland to use its position of the UN Security Council to call for that leadership and we know that Ireland has used its voice to advocate on conflict on hunger um, and indeed on those uh, and indeed on the food crisis uh, in the past but it's now about you know trying to spur other nations really into action at this point and um, you know that rich nations including Ireland do um, you know need to provide support to these countries who have been disproportionately impacted as a result of climate change? You know who are not the main contributors to CO two emissions, but are bearing the brunt um, of the effect, and you know that are effectively seeing an exasperation of this now play out um, with uh, with the conflict in Ukraine, and that you know we need to ensure that our focus does not shift along too far from this extreme crisis that's happening now in the Horn of Africa. It's really important that we link those those dual crises, more than dual crises at this stage, because we, we spoke to um, John Gibbons last week, Rory, and he was showing how yeah. you know the, the, the cost of us importing food to feed the cattle to export food, you know, but that has a knock-on impact across and, the and globe. Dumping, and dumping our products in, in African countries as yes, well. Yes, exactly. And, and, and that's what, and that, this is where I'm going with this. And you see what's happening in Palestine, you see what's happening in Libya, and uh, uh, sorry, Lebanon particularly. I'm, we'll be talking to Sinead 
Moles and um, Mike Azar, I think, on Thursday about the situation that, that literally people, if they're getting food in Lebanon, it tends to it's making people sick because it's it's spoiled because they can't even they can't even preserve food. So all of these things, and I and I hate to say it, Jane, but this strikes me very much as a little bit of like Fortress Europe again because we don't want climate refugees coming in because we still like we've seen that's been covered recently whereby climate refugees have not been recognised as yet as a class of people who are fleeing to Europe, and yet we don't want to actually send the, 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 the aid back. And I want to put this in listeners' context. I'm sorry to go on, but at 4.4 billion, it's less than half of what the Irish government is discussing spending should we decide to join NATO per year, per year. No, and it's drastically underfunded. You know, we're talking about it being less than 10% funded. Like this is at a global level, there's a humanitarian appeal for 4.4 billion that is less than 10% funded. And I think, you know, that like it's, it's, it's like it's an outrage that, you know, it's not only the fact that, you know, every day that this continues, uh, you know, this, that exasperates kind of the uh, the level of suffering that individuals, but it also gets more costly to respond. You know, the number of people at risk this time last year were estimated to be 10 million. So that has nearly doubled in the last year because of inaction. So, you know, that will only continue to go one way unless there is adequate funding um, extended to this region and that that is also looking at mobilization of aid but also looking at investing in um you know in food systems in, in livelihoods in social protection as well to ensure that the communities themselves are far more resilient to the climate shocks that occur and are going to continue to occur based on where they are living and it does come back to as well our, our economic, as I said earlier, that economic, you know, global economic model we have of, you know, neoliberalism that is about extraction and is about, you know, the continued maintenance of developing countries in that state of underdevelopment. Because, you know, we know we've the big, you know, EU, you know, the US, China, Russia trying to extract raw materials and then that that debt situation that, you know, Western countries should be writing off. The debt of these countries, which is what was it? We were able to renegotiate when Trichet said he'll do everything. All our rates plummeted to basically negative interest rates, and yet we spoke to the Rije from the Global Alliance of Tax Justice, an absolute brilliant man. I don't understand why he's not on Irish media more often to talk about why the Kenyan situation. Every time they go back to, it, they're told, "Well, actually, uh, your rates are going up." It's it's insane. The same, and these are the same organisations. These are the IMF. These are the European banks that are owned this money. This is something that's within our power to change. No, I know. And, and that's why, you know, it does need to be a dual approach. It's not just about, of course, it's about, you know, kind of saving lives right now, mobilizing that aid, ensuring that the this appeal is fulfilled so that we can actually bring aid in and to reduce the, the level of death. But we also have to look at that social investment piece, you know, at, at, at investing in social protection and what is actually disabling countries from doing that, you know, or is that the level of death they are carrying that they are unable to be able to build up some of the systems um, domestically themselves. So it does need to be looked at from a holistic point of view as well of, you know, this is not a sustainable way. It's only going to degenerate year after year. We're now in the worst situation we've been in in 40 years you know, so I think that we do need to take stock and actually, and this is why we're looking for a radical approach, you know, that it cannot just be more of the same. It needs an, an, an absolute radical and collective approach at a global level to ensure that we can respond adequately to this crisis and prepare for the next. And just in terms of, I suppose, progressing this in policy, you'll be launching this, um, you're launching this today, 
um, as a you know a public event, and and how do you seek to engage then with government and policymakers with that? Well, you know, we are engaging with like a number of our members. So we're bringing together Gold, Trocra, Concern and Oxfam um, and a number of other members today to speak to what they see, what their what their teams, what their partners are witnessing and responding to on the ground to give a very vivid picture, really, for Oireachtas members, um, you know, around what is the reality of the situation and indeed what we need to do as Ireland, how we need to step up. And I think this also feeds into, you know, leading up between now and, and, and budget time. It's around kind of, obviously, we're looking at the moment at the Horn of Africa, but looking out kind of a slightly broader, you know, it, there are the common themes of climate hunger and conflict and looking at, you know, how is Ireland's overseas development assistance budget, how are we spending that money? Where do we need to invest more in the longer term? And where do we need to kind of scale up our, our um, the funding that we provide to certain contexts as well? And also, as you say, using our voice, Ireland's voice at a UN level and, you know, advocating and pushing for within the EU, the changes, the structural changes that are needed. Yeah, like Ireland has considerable influence on a global stage at the moment. We are, you know, within the UN Security Council, there has been a lot of traction on different initiatives that have been pushed forward by the Irish team there. Um, and that's been brilliant to see. But, you know, we do have a certain reputation on a global stage with regards to, you know, how we um, are, you know, from our own experience of famine and yeah. and elsewhere, you know, that we actually we are seen as a good donor. We are seen as a country that is, you know, wants to, um, you know, to to respond in, in solidarity with those who are living in poverty. And so, you know, we should actually kind of be stronger in terms of strengthening our voice at that global level to push other rich nations also to step up and contribute to avoid this humanitarian catastrophe that's unfolding before us. I suppose the last thing I'll say is I want to repeat that point that we're now facing the, the worst uh, crisis in terms of hunger and nothing kills like hunger to steal that phrase that was that we covered on this podcast several times in 40 years. If you recall, we're old enough to remember um, Live Aid and all of the action that happened when we saw these things. And here we are now facing We've gone from, you know, the, the global financial crisis into a pandemic, into a war in Ukraine. And 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 yet I always say it, Rory, you got to get upset with me now. But we, we've we've used these lifestyle wars, wars fought elsewhere to, to allow us live in the comfort that we're in. But like, it's not a lot of money we're looking for. And I do think we're, I, I can't also leave you get away without saying the billionaires like we live yes. at the most unequal time in human history. And the fact that there is famine while there are billionaires, is just wrong. Mm. Um, look, we really appreciate you, uh, Jane and McKenna, for taking the time to talk to us. Wish you all the best with the launch. Uh, as I said, we will be covering it again uh, in with people in Lebanon on Thursday as well. With its uh, Food insecurity is something that, that is becoming such a thing. And I do, I do believe that the EU has to step up here, but I know the Irish government has a great position to play in that. And, and thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're tight on time today. It's, it's been... Uh, I, I appreciate it. And, and shout out to Ronan for, for, for putting up with me, uh, badgering you on, to, yeah, on no. <laughs> into this so I really appreciate it thanks thanks folks thanks Rory thanks Jane thanks very much yeah thank you very much guys Love best you. of luck thanks Mel. bye bye Yes, and that was uh, Jane Ann um, from who is the CEO of Docus um, and their um, aid 
proposals for what Ireland should do. Um, and as always, listeners, uh, we rely on you for to keep the show on the road, basically, um, and to keep this podcast going. Tony Groves from at Tortoise Shack Media is our producer. Um, and and, and, and Gobby Mouth. Can I come in and just say one thing? First of all, thank you to everybody who shares, listens and tells people about it. Rory, I didn't. I, I was looking at your analytics, by the way. You're up about 10% month on month. So the listenership is growing and that's in the thousands when you think about that. So so well done you. You, you probably don't even see that yet because you. I, get, I, could, I went in and had a look at it before we came on air. It's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah, and and when when you hear that sort of level, you go absolutely. We, we people, yeah, pay it forward, folks. Put your hands in your pocket, pay it forward. But also support the support the the work by sharing it, telling people. Rory has Rory has done over four hundred and fifty of these now. That's and, and like four hundred and fifty yeah. bleeding hours of podcasts. Exactly, <laughs> and it's no, I, and and it's appreciated. But in fairness, when you think now about four hundred and fifty hours that you've produced. Yeah, but look at the difference. You put together look, and uploaded, look, and look look at the difference it's made. There, there we are now, and we 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 were talking in you know talking into an iPad four or five years ago, Rory, and now I and know. now and and now you're on RT News at one, you know. So so it's all it's all it's all relative, but it makes a difference. So supporting it, keeping it viable, also makes a difference, and that's just well, not well, ma- well, you know, Tony, that you know it is the only. Um, it's not. The reality is it requires money to keep it going. That's yeah. the straight up. It's it's not, you know, it requires um, you know, it's your job, it's what you do. It's um if it's not economically viable, it won't continue, unfortunately. And so we are currently an independent uh patron <laughs> based <laughs> model and uh, we've no advertisement, so we are completely dependent on our listeners. And I think it is important, and I have seen it's been great to see listeners responding they are i see you know sharing it around on social media that is really significant you know because mm. the more people to share it the more people to see it they hear it and um, obviously it you know as we said it, it spreads the word you know discussions like that that you know you just don't hear um elsewhere and you know then people signing up for whatever they can i know it's really really hard times and that you know that is a challenge for all of us and yeah um it's going to be a challenge uh, increasingly as we in the coming months that um you know the the patron model is going to be a challenge but it is what we have at the moment and i look we, we we're yeah no it is hard it is hard and we we appreciate it's hard for everybody out there i will just wrap and say that that being said like just to show how how the kind of tortoise shack sort of punches above its weight later on this afternoon in 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 the doll there's a, a ukrainian delegation uh, going to be going to be talking about the situation the, the ongoing conflict and um one of the speakers is Lesia Vasilenko who i had on about the, the green new deal for europe That's and right. now, and now yeah. she's talking like it's 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 a staggering thing to say you know this little platform sort of moves the dial when it comes to moves the needle when it comes to those things but it has it's 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 actually done that absolutely it's had huge Mm. impact and even as i was saying there you know talking to jane ann you know about you know that that famine in africa and what's facing there and you know constantly we are we're 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 highlighting the things that aren't getting light shone on them sufficiently and discussing them and as we always try and put the the emphasis on emphasis on in this podcast on solutions as well and giving people some sense of of hope in in an increasingly despairing world that we need it more than ever and and we know people really value it um and so we do appreciate and really thank those who are patrons and thank those who are listening and yeah. um as we say it's more than a podcast isn't it tony it's a uh, movement absolutely <laughs> and and but rory rory we're activists as well 
Yeah, and we won't, and we, and that won't ever change. That won't yeah. ever change. Listen, we we'll leave it there because I do. I, I got to get into town to see the launch of this, of this, and then I'm hoping to actually sit down and have lunch with the Ukrainian delegation as well. So, well, listen, so best I, look I, at I, that. I, I've been invited. I've been invited in. So I, I can imagine the heads when they see when they see Tony Grove showing up. Uh, uh, maybe Simon Coveney. What will be? Who is that fellow with the with the with the mullet? Anyway, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Rory, Enjoy thanks so it. much. Talk yeah, to you soon. Thanks folks. everyone. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>